welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Francisco de Barros, the Assistant Treasurer at Ingersoll Rand. Ingersoll Rand are a global market leader with a broad range of innovative, mission-critical air, fluid, energy, and medical technologies. Provide services and solutions for industrial productivity and efficiency. Merged with Gardner Denver in early 2020, so means they've got more than 300 years of combined experience and expertise. But that's my usual pitch at the beginning of the show. Francisco and I, we've known each other for many years. We're going to go back to the beginning of his career, a few years ago now, but not too far. We're going to start out with how you first discover finance and then treasury, and then we'll bring it up today. And then we're going to touch on some interesting topics at the end of the show about technology and people and everything else. So Francisco, back to the beginning, if you would. How did you first ever get into finance post-college or what happened? How did you discover it? Over to you, sir. Uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, so I think for me, you know, coming out of grad school, Mike, I really, if I think about myself, I'm a person that I always like to put myself outside my comfort zone. So out of college, as most people really didn't know what I wanted to do. And at that time, an opportunity presented itself to join Tyco International. Some people may recall Tyco was in those companies that, you know, coming out of the America corporate scandal, was a lot of uh, changes going on. And I was asked to join the, the audit team. For me, it was a great opportunity, right? Uh, within audit, I was given a chance basically to learn a bunch of different things and meet a bunch of different people. And I thought it was a good opportunity then to make up my mind. I, I can learn different things and then I can decide what I want to do. So I jumped on that opportunity with the Tyco audit team. I think it was probably one of the best decisions I, I made in my career. I was a company that was going to, as I said, to a lot of turbulence. We saw a bunch of things from financial audits, no forensic audits, and we had a great team there. The team was, everybody was new, everybody was eager to learn, and you really had to be on top of your game and be, be flexible because things change from one day to the other. From there on, I got into an engagement where it was a treasury audit. I ended up leading that audit, and that was an audit that multi-location was domestic in the U.S. and international. Through part of the audit, we're in Luxembourg doing one leg of the audit and, you know, doing a diligence. We, we uncovered some things or some weak control weaknesses that had been missed by some of the external auditors. And I think the treasurer at the time was quite impressed by that. And, and he approached me and asked me if I wanted to join the treasury team. Uh, I thought it was exciting because I always liked the treasury piece, right? But I, I didn't know anything about treasury. And he his answer was, no, if if you you know found those things and the weakness controls, you're able to spot it, things that had been missed by expert people or the external auditors, right? As they're seen as having more expertise than the internal folks. I'm sure I can teach you. And I when he said he could teach me, I, I jumped on that opportunity and I, I joined. Francisco, let me sorry to interrupt, but when you said you really became interested in treasury at that early stage, I just want to grab that. Why? Why was it at that stage you'd done an audit, which is a great place to start, exactly as you say, but you've seen control weaknesses. Oh, it's a bit broken here. Is it that you could go in and fix those things or was it the very nature of treasure or was it both or what was the situation? I think for me, what I realized when I kind of started doing the, the treasure audit was no treasure, those no back office, if I want to call it function, but really touches everything, Mike. Like when you look at the financial statements for a company, right, the 10K, 10Q, 
if people, not sure how many people have done that, but I have, like you count how many things I stated there that relates to treasury, either be effects, interest income, interest expense, cash. It's the notes and bolts of an organization, right? And it's a key component that's silent in the background, but provides a lot of no assurance, liquidity, and support for senior management to move towards their goal, right? We help to fund it. So it was not more the, the weakness controls. The, the control weakness was something interesting because related to external debt. And I think something that people always like about the capital market side, but really what treasure mentor organization for me, that was the eye opener when I got, got into that engagement. And this role, you then well, had to move location as well. So can you talk us through what that was like? Because you were at the time, tell us about, if you would, your background in terms of nationality and things, just because then you've got this international moves you really like a lot of treasury folks have spoken have gone around the world with treasury and and it's taken you around the world what's that like yeah so i, I think i'm originally from brazil i came to the west to do my undergrad and graduate studies and kind of end up staying but from from a career perspective when i was in audit i was in, in boca raton florida right and the opportunity came up to move to luxembourg to join the team there and I, in my career i have always been very conscious about you no know, learning the experiences that or the building block of the experiences that you need to take you know long term where you wanted to be so the opportunity was you no know, to join the treasury team which kind of at that point i really wanted to join location wise was was in luxembourg again you know most folks kind of would at the time kind of surprised that I was waiting to move from Florida into Luxembourg. But for me, you know, it's going outside that comfort zone. I feel that always, you know, when you push yourself more, you can learn something. So for me, it was twofold. One was I knew I was going to learn a whole new function, which was kind of discomfort, but exciting. And also, right, the cultural change, right? Leaving the US, which was a culture I was used to, and was my first international assignment into Europe. And I learned a great deal from how Teams that in, in Europe, at least in Luxembourg, how that you know culturally how that works, and also the function of treasury. And my very first basic role, it's what I call what I call referred to as you no know, the foundation of treasury, which was treasury operations. Right there, I was kind of setting up you no know, cash pools, back office structure to you no know, FX trading and settlement. So it was really really the 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 notes and bolts of a of a foundation of a treasury organization. So it was it was a great like say way of dipping my toes into the treasury space. And then you sort of did a couple of years there, or no, only a year or so, and a year and a bit, but then you had to move back. What, talk us through the promotion or how it, how it sort of developed, if you would. Yeah, so I think I'll take back to what I said in the beginning, right? So Tyke was a very fast-paced organization, right? A lot of changes going on because of everything was going on with the organization. So after we moved to Luxembourg, I think, you know, shortly, it's a funny story because when we moved to Europe, my wife, for whatever reason, she said, no, she'll go to Luxembourg, she'll go to anywhere in Europe, but she did not at the time want to move to Switzerland. We got to, to Luxembourg and with you no know, a month into the assignment, I got a call from the treasurer and he said, no, I had to move to Switzerland <laughs> because they, they now are in a position that they're comfortable that they could consolidate both offices, right, and drive synergies from it. So I had to convince my wife to move to Switzerland, which now at the beginning was not easy. After a while, she once we moved, she loved it. She didn't want to leave Switzerland. But then we moved to Switzerland. I had no one really in the team wanted to move when Luxembourg wanted to move to Switzerland. So I was basically the only one that moved to Switzerland. So my my role not was only learning the treasury piece or the front office in Luxembourg. But I had to learn everything that that team was doing because I was transferring that to Switzerland. 
So I moved to Switzerland where I spent another year or so kind of, you know, training the team and integrating both offices. And then an opportunity came up with my next treasury role, which was the internal funding, right? And that was more related to intercompany loans and deposits and, and intercompany dividends and a lot of the M&A activity that was going within Tyco, right? So for me, despite having to move once again, that was an opportunity to add another building block to my learning experience, right? And then we, we decided to, to move back into the US to the corporate headquarters, which was in Princeton at the time, to take on that role for the Tyco as there's kind of spinning off, you know, what was then Covidian, right? And then Tyco Electronics. So it was a lot of asset divestitures and, and funding activity going on. Uh, and they needed someone to, to help to, to build the team and to kind of improve the process around it. And for me, it was another learning experience. It was a great experience. And so as it develops, you know, tell us about the group as well, because I don't think we really touched on that, the actual industry, because what, what challenges that through to you treasury-wise because you were going through a lot of development as well. Yeah, I think, you know, when you think about some of the more consolidated treasury functions like operations, effects, that capital markets, you have a, a bench of, you know, individuals with expertise that you can drop on. When we talk about the internal internal funding, right? I have seen very few companies had a dedicated team to do internal funding. Internal funding involves not only the treasury piece, right? Which you know how much dividend can repatriate, does it generate effects? You no, know, do we hedge the dividend, so on and so forth, but also from a business perspective, right? Learning the PL and what the projections are. If you're talking about MA, how much cash you're gonna generate, if you're gonna divest that business, you no, know, two, three, four months from now, and how much you can pull out. So there's a little bit of an FPA, if you will, or, or business strategy acumen into that role. So finding the individuals that knew a little bit of treasure operations and had the the PL or FPNA experience, right? So we had to build a team that was a little bit of a hybrid that we could complement each other and then kind of set the guardrails or the rules of the game. And that's exactly what happened, what happened on that team. And for me, it was good because I, I learned a little bit of that, that PL and business acumen strategy, which kind of took on to my next role, which was outside of Treasury. When you made that move outside of Treasury, was it something you were pushing for or was it just a actually i need a wider brief or what was the situation once i felt that you no know, the internal funding structure was buttoned down and i had had enough you no know, solid experience that i could drop on from the future right then i started discussions with you no know, senior management and my mentors right about you no know, what should i do next and at that point i was really interested in fx and capital markets they didn't really have a role at the time on that team. The team was fairly new. But Tyco, as I said, was divest a lot of the segments, right? So one of the proposals was they had the flow control division, which was going to be divested sometime in the future, was for me, hey, why don't you why don't you go move outside of Treasury into this FPNA role for a subsegment of flow control, which was called Tyco Thermal, right? And then you learn a little bit of the FPNA and the PL, right? And that will help you as a backdoor into a kind of rating agency discussion as we kind of try to prepare the rating or the indicative rating for this company that's soon to be public and so on and so forth. So for me, it was like, okay, I can learn a little bit of the capital markets, how the interactions work, and I can learn an entirely new function, right? And, and that's why really I decided to take, you know, what was not with a, 
a easy decision for me to step out of trade because something I really like. But I think, you no, know, as going back to, I think the role and the experience you get at is more important location than anything, at least for me. I decided to take the role and move once again because the role at the time was based in Houston. So we had to move from, from Princeton into Houston. And again, I went to work with one of my, my prior mentors. He was my former boss at the audit team, which was now the lead finance FPNA for that segment. And all is about shows how about you no know, building relationships and network and having people trust that you you can do it, right? And an opportunity for you to deliver it. And exactly that's what I, I jump on when the opportunity presented. And then you progressed back into treasury or treasury came knocking. Exactly. So once once the the split or the spin-off of flow control was well right in, in the works, they appointed the treasurer, what would be treasurer for that division, which was my former boss at the old treasury team at Tyco. And he asked me to join treasury back for the flow control division. At this time, as no the the treasury director for EMEA and APAC, right? And again, I would have to move back to Europe, which I did, but to help him to split the treasury function from the Tyco systems and set up a new treasury function for the flow control, which was a business that had different needs than Tyco as a consolidated corporate. I did take on that role, but no, fortunately or unfortunately, depends how you see it, right? Once we moved, it was announced that the, the company was no longer being public, but was being acquired or merged with Panther Inc. Yeah. Right. So the, the, the role that was really supposed to be the grandiose role lost a little bit of meat because Panther had a little bit of different mentality where they tended to outsource some of the treasure operations. I think going through the merger and trying to set up the team was very valuable, but no, I really didn't want to be a role on a role that was going to be somewhat empty, was going to be more, you know, managing a third party. And I, I did have a discussion with the Panther treasurer at the time, which I kind of devised against, not, not because of my role. I thought my role was going to be jeopardy because it was not, but because I had seen by being treasurer long enough that you know, a lot of the people that did treasury service outsourcing, like the banks, Right, they have gone out of providing. They stopped providing the service mainly because it's a low margin business, right? And my concern was if we go down this route and the provider decides to cease, you no know, provide the service, we're going to be in hot waters to set up an operation very quickly. But that's the decision they wanted to do from a short term cost perspective, I guess. And then for me, I was not being challenged anymore. And that's when I kind of decided to to move on to my next role. <laughs> which was the spinoff of Abvi from Abbott, which then was different piece where I had to move companies, you know, relocate back to the US. And it was a very different, very interesting project because there with Abvi and Abbott, we had a two-year TSA where basically we had the plan to design the strategy from the ground up. Company had a lot of resources, again, great team, uh, a lot of support from senior management. And I think we did great things at Abvi. I think I'm very proud of you know, the treasury foundation that was laid at Abvi. And you know, is a big contributor to what Abvi is today from a lean machine perspective. And Francisco, can you just explain for the audience who don't know what Abvi is? A lot of people will, some people won't. So you know, and how that differed in treasury terms, you know, so you were previously with Tyco, so you had global exposures and everything else. And, you know, the business itself was quite different to Abbey, you know, explain what, what the difference was, if you would. So Tyco was a, you know, industrial conglomerate, right? Uh, very, let's say, pulverized presence on bank accounts and segments. Abvi is a pharmaceutical, uh, the proprietary pharma company that was spun off from Abbott. Very, very 
top talent, you know, top technology on the development of their products. But no, from a treasury perspective, it's simpler in a way that they have very few customers. Yep. Customers tend to be mainly you no know, governmental entities or a single distributor in a country per country, but no very but very high exposure to any of those those individual customers. You know, very cash flow rich, international presence similar to what you no know, Ico had. But but the different types of need, mainly because you no, know, we generate a lot of cash and we didn't have the customer base diversification as compared to industrial conglomerate, right? Industrial conglomerate you can I think of as almost a retail presence. Yeah. If you think about that, it's like a wholesale where you have no few touch points from a customer perspective. But different set of challenges, right? There we got more engaged after setting the foundation. We had a lot of discussions, for example, as new products are being launched, right? You no, know, a lot of the government, especially in the developing world, right? The the budgets are somewhat constrained, right? So how do we use our balance sheet to make the medication affordable? Right uh, to those people that need, and how can you help those local governments to get access to the medication? How do we help them to finance it? Right, so a little bit more on the creative side in trying to partner with the business from a strategy perspective. Right, because at the end of the day, you want to make sure that people receive the medication, the top care that they need. Right, but no, but we still need to make a profit. Right, so how do we balance that out? And how did you? I mean, how was that in treasury terms, and you know, what was that like? So I, I think in treasury terms, first, we set up a very lean operation, right? Where it had like full visibility, full connective and access to cash worldwide. So with that piece, kind of with the technology in place, right? And everything working properly, as you may recall, Mike, we won in 2005, we won 2015 yeah. Treasury Management International Award for the, the best technology deployment, right? Then we, we had the time to do more value add tasks. And that's when we kind of spent a lot of time with the business and the financial controller, me me especially, like learning what the pharmaceutical market is, how the industry operates, right? And then showing to, to the you know country CFOs and financial leaders in the commercial side that we could add value, right? So once they start building that report, then they start coming to us to bounce ideas you now for the challenge that they may have, right? Now I have this customer that, you know, how do I get them to pay? How do I get some security? You know, can we do some type of financing to help to facilitate, not financing, but like payment terms, like extended payment terms. How much does it cost me? You know, can we do something to hedge that risk? And we're kind of working with our internal partners and the external partners in the banks. We kind of came up with creative solution, right? Sometimes you come with a solution and the business says, no, it doesn't work. Or, you know, there's a challenge here, it's a challenge there. And you become this back and forth of ideas until you arrive at a state that, okay, this is something that we can live it this helps the commercial team deliver what they need and then once you have the first success stories right i think good news kind of spread out and then people here and then you kind of become a reference center or a strategic partner and that's what's really what you want it to be and how do you do how do you spread the word of treasury in that sense you know that there'll be people listening today going that's all very well you know we're a smaller you know maybe they're a smaller team or something like that did you you know make sure to go push yourself out into the business or how did it work sort of thing for you at the time? I think it's a twofold, right? One is, you no know, the, the finance team, the commercial finance team, right? They, they talk amongst each other to benchmark and then they say, hey, you're facing this solution. I work at Treasure and did that. And they kind of, some people come to you because they had a reference. The other piece was me like trying to, to push myself and my team to develop themselves, right? So I, I would challenge the team to say, no, reach out to the controllership team, no, embed yourself into balance sheet reviews, right? If you have a, a desire to, to learn controllership, right? If you want to be more on the FP&A side, you know, how can I get you 
connect with the right people so you get exposure to it. So by 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 challenging the team to get exposure to an area that may have interest or that they need development to complement a skill set that they may be lacking, right? Then by having treasure on that table, then the conversation naturally arise. And that's kind of treasure becomes more evident and more present. Then talk us through, if you would, the, again, the growth sort of, and the development for you. What happened next? So, you no, know, I think you no, know, that was mainly on the treasure operations side and business strategy, right? I think once uh, you have to think of the cycles, right? And a little bit of a backpack, the more expensive you put in, you can kind of take out. So I, I kind of closed that cycle there. And for what to do next, you now I think you have to be vocal about what you want to do. And I have always been. So you now I went back to my leadership and said, no, hey, I feel that we are state now that it is stable. I have people on my team that now can step up to the plate to take the role. And for me, uh, I think you now I'm ready for a new challenge. Luckily enough, I had you now a, a mentor and boss that you now she was very supportive of development and different experiences. So we had discussion and the, the resolution or the outcome was based you now they, they felt or the organization felt that I needed to learn more about the pharmaceutical industry itself, right? Because it's a very specialty industry. It has its particularities, if you will. So I I said, no, if, if that's what's going to take for me to go into my next role or the high role in treasury, I'm willing to step outside of treasury once again. So then I move into a commercial role in the specialty pharma division, uh, kind of the finance lead for a sub-segment of the specialty pharma. And that was great. And like I learned everything that was, I considered to be pretty much the pharmaceuticals, right? My portfolio had you no... Know, medications or drugs that were going off patent, right? So I saw the end cycle of a, of a medication. We had uh, drugs that were basically, you know, off patent, but you no, know, didn't lose the revenue because they're unique and we have new assets, right? And I, I not only learned that piece, but you no, know, I had a lot of insight because of my experiences, right? When we were talking about, we're launching a new asset. So what they could bring to the table was modeling around, you know, profitability and financing and cost and FX impact. If you're going to expand to foreign markets, how do we structure the billing, right? For those distributions outside, in outside markets, potential costs. So it, it was, it was really great because I, I felt, although it was a new role for me, I felt I was not coming to the table empty-handed. And that's one of the diverse uh, no background or diverse experiences can bring it to you. I always encourage my team to, although if they like trade, no, let's not say no, get more broad exposure. If you have to step outside of trade for a little bit, do it. I think it's going to be beneficial for you in the long term. And then, so you did that and talk us through the next step, sort of thing. So I don't want to run out of time today because we're, we're on the roll, but keep going. When I went into that role, like consciously, I know that was going to be there not for, for a long period, right? I see for three years, I mean, it's not short, but not long, right? I think enough for you to get a good basis. And I, I wanted to come back into treasury, you know, and sometimes things, you no know, don't work the way you plan, right? So there was not a, a role within the treasury team at Avi that I could come back into. I did not want to rotate into another finance role because it's not really where my deep interest resided. And then that's when the opportunity to kind of join Ingus Rand came up. And that opportunity was mainly, was in treasury, but was going to give me a good chance to deepen my knowledge in the capital market side, right, as assistant treasurer. And then for me, I think that was the box that was missing. Right was to get an in-depth knowledge of the the debt capital markets piece, and that's what we have been working here with Ingus Rand. You may have seen on the news yesterday. We finally got upgraded by S and P. Yeah. Right, Labo as one of the rising stars. So I think we we have been doing a great work here. You know, we have a great team, a small team, but very dedicated. 
group of people that really are eager to learn. We're all learning together this journey as we continue to, you know, solidify the processes since the merger, you know, developing the team and kind of bringing everything in-house. So it's, for me, it was the opportunity to, to develop a new, or not develop, but really to deepen a skill set that I felt was somewhat light in my career in Treasury to, you know, prepare myself for what may come next. So with yourself, you you touched on it throughout the conversation there about you've got this passion for, you know, lean operations, technology driving things, and then it then reflecting in the people and things. Can you just let's dive into technology and then people before we run out of time today? So why is technology, you know, we, we do ask Treasury Salary Survey. Anyone that's not done it, go to treasurysalary.com. It's been a not a bane of my life, but it's been a struggle. But now we've got it straight through process. You click on there. Boom, you put your information. Five minutes later, you've got a salary survey, global salary survey, amazing. And I've I look to you, Treasury guys, where you guys lead, I follow. You know, I've seen how you've straight through processed everything with technology and different systems and things. I've had other people pushing back recently saying, well, not everything seem, needs to be streamlined, just, you know, the heck out of it, but most of the time it does. With you, what, what's it like for you technology-wise? What's your why does that drive you so much? Yeah, so I think, you know, as you think about Treasury, right, Treasury really is a cost center, right? I know some people like think of Treasury, you know, we're this great organization, a great function we are, but at the end of the day, we are a cost center, right? And why we bring some direct value is talking about reduction, reduction bank fees and interest income. Most of the value that Treasury brings to organization is intangible, right? So I, I never wanted the organization or the discussion to be around the cost around my people and my team. Right. And I think you no know, technology today can you no know, fill some of those gaps because I think the worst thing that you can have is a large team where everybody does a little bit but has a lot of free time because then everybody's bored and every time everybody no nobody really learns a lot. Right. And then you don't have a bored and disengaged team. So what what we have done, you no, know, we have tried to to have a team lean enough that you no know, provides work-life balance because I think it's important. But everybody is a little bit, let's say, stretched to the to the point that they're not bored, but they have no time to learn other areas. And we kind of lay technology on top of it, right? Because if you're going to have a lean team, you need to have technology. Otherwise, it becomes a, a unsustainable situation where just too much going on, given all the areas that we need to manage. At Tyco, Abvi, and Ingus Rand, we're always looking to add technology. And, and that doesn't really mean when technology, right? It's a the latest and best, no, treasury ERP, right? It, it is important, but no, technology talk about what I refer to is also processes, right? If you look at the process, I always tell my team, take a step back, right? How do you put a process? No, it's lean, it's clean, it's simple. I always say simple is better, right? And I think if you can take a process and transform it to something new that's more efficient, uh, to me, this technology being added, right? Either be, you know, your know-how or something, but that's technology as a, as a whole component, right? So you need to have a, a system to support it, you have to have process to support it, and you need to have the people right engaged in order to, to drive this forward. And we have achieved like Abvi, when you think you no know, Abvi and Abbott, I think Abbott had a, a very large uh, treasure organization upon the spin-off, right? I think they're I think they're over like 50 headcount worldwide because they tend to have a lot of treasure people at every single location. At Abvi, right, we cut a headcount by less than half than that. And it, it's not like People got fired because not the intent, right? You had to be conscious, but no, remember we had a two-year TSA. So as we kind of build the organization, we laid down the technology framework. So we didn't need to staff up for that 
for that many people, right? Especially because AbbVie was, when I joined, right, they had Homira, which was the largest drug. Patent was about to expire. So we had that thing that, you no, know, if we could extend the patent then and re- or replace, right, the revenue, the organization would know progress, but something happened, right? I need to be able to react, like support scalability or you know, streamline everything if needed. Same thing we think is around, right? We are we are growing, right? The desire of the, the company, we are going to grow aggressively. You know, management has laid out that as part of the capital structure. M&A is one of the key foundations of it, right? And then we we don't want to staff too quickly, right? Because something happens, then you see what happened in the tech sector, right? That people are just being laid off because they overstaffed, right? So we want to be more conscious about it to say, no, let's, let's have the technology to take us forward, right? So you can like lesson people. And the people that come on board, we know they're here for the long term, not just because they're engaged and they are interested in their learning, but also because something happens, no cyclicality or to the company. I don't need to to cut anybody because I don't have fat, right? So I'm we try to be outside those discussions because we already delivered a lean solution to the organization. And you talk there, you're touching there on people. So people wise, what's your what's your ethos around that? Early in my career, right, I was lucky enough and to, to have you no know, good mentors and, and good bosses that kind of helped me to push me forward, right, and to provide the feedback that I need to grow and to develop, right? And I think that the, what anyone can do, right, is kind of pass that along, right? So as if you ask my team, I always try to kind of spend time with them to provide constructive feedback, right, a timely feedback, so I think it's important because the same way that I like you know, to be developed and to receive feedback and to feel that my contributions are valued, people, other people like it too, right? So I try to do the same thing for others you know, as, as, as I would like to receive. So I try to be conscious about that, right? I want to make sure that people work hard, but they, they also have fun and they enjoy it, right? I want to, to make sure that you no know, people feel challenged. And I'll do that very simple ways, right? Sometimes people come to me or someone on my team and say, no, hey, I have this issue, right? I think normal management answer would be, no, can you do this to fix it, right? My my first reaction is like, what, what do you recommend that we do? I try to kind of throw the question back consciously so they can think about it. And can I, I walk them through the rationale if I agree or don't disagree? And sometimes there's no right or wrong as a preference, but at least we can have a conversation about it, right? And they see where I'm coming from and they can think about different aspects because I think we need to keep the big picture in mind, even that treasury touches many different aspects of the organization. So I want to avoid people going to a silo decision. So I know we try to do that. You no, know, on the treasury functions, I try to do that by exposing them to other areas. And if you no, know, the development is in outside treasury, right? I'll be the first sponsor, right? I think you no, know, whatever helps them grow overall is great for the organization. You don't want to have someone that you no, know, you you don't develop. Uh, or it's great, but you don't develop and then leave the organization because they feel there's no growth opportunities. I think there's growth opportunities everywhere. We just need to know where to look for them. And that probably nicely segues into, as we approach the end of the show, what are the, you know, the, you've touched on a lot of the areas you've, you've had. You've had this international experience. You've got people, you've got technology. If you're bringing those all together, you know, each and every week on the podcast, we get the top tips from people. What are the takeaways you're going to give other people today that you know we'll put your linkedin details in the show notes but what what would you tell people either coming into treasury in the junior end or or senior colleagues what are the takeaways you you tell people to think about two takeaways mike so i think one is no whatever you do always think about holistically right so if you're doing a single task don't think of just that task but try to have a broader view how could this task impact other things 
or could it impact, right? Some people may outside the may not realize you can help to bring that value. I think too is you no know, be open to get a different exposures, right? And be vocal. Talk to your leadership, talk to your management to express your desires. I think some people get afraid, you no, know, if they express different opinion, then they're gonna lose you no know, growth opportunities because they'll do something else. I think it's the opposite, right? If if we know what you want or if people know what you want, right, they can help you to get there. So I think you no know, one is you no know, make your no wishes known and try to get different experiences and exposures, right? And and most important is no, I guess don't go for the salary or for you know the location. I think most important is the role. Think about it, you no know, where you want to be long term, how that next role or your current role can take you there, and who you're going to be reporting to. I think your your boss, uh, your mentors are fundamental in your development. And let's be honest, sometimes there are people that block in your career, right? And you want to avoid that. So I think when you're considering a move or next move, keep those three things in mind because those are key pieces if you want to, to be successful and really enjoy what you're doing. And, and less of all, have fun. Yeah, man. At the end of the day, it's it's business, right? Nothing's personal. So just just have fun. Don't take it personal. So I've got some great ones there. So take that wider view, holistic view, if you like, and you know, about your career and everything else. And with the next moves and, and with any of the moves, you know, no, don't just think about the salary and location. Yes, they, they're a part of it, but actually choose your boss, you know, choose your role, choose your boss carefully. That's, that's the key. And have fun. What's he doing it? So, wow. Amazing. Thank you, sir. We'll put your LinkedIn details in the show notes. I know that lots of people want to connect another good episode with yourself. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Thank you very much for your time today, sir. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Lovely. Thank you. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.